we are so grateful for another day to be in his presence. We're grateful for another Sunday. We're grateful for you being here today, and we're just excited for what God has in store for you. I'm going to invite you to take your seats this morning. It is my sincere privilege to welcome you to Impact City, and we are thrilled for what God has in store for you this morning as we uh, dive into week three of our series, Family Values. I'm excited about our, our topic today. Um, it's, it's entitled Inseparable Relationships, and we're going to be looking at the greatest commandment that Jesus gave, and uh, we're just going to dive right in. So uh, let's pray. Father, we're grateful again for your presence. We are grateful for who you are to us. We are grateful that your word never returns void, but that you always have a purpose. God, and you have uniquely designed each of us to be here today, to be able to hear what you have for this moment. God, and I pray that your word have weight in our lives, that it would change us, that it would challenge us, that it would encourage us, that it would lift us up. We glorify you and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today's message is based around um, something that I believe is very important and needed in our culture and the society that we live in today. Because what we have seen throughout the years is we have had a shift in a lot of different values, uh, things that used to be important, things that used to be prioritized um, have changed. That includes theological views, that includes moral values, that includes ethical values. And I, when I say that, I don't think we have a law problem because we have seen in, in our time that there have been lots of, a lot of laws that have been passed. Um, I think we have a values problem and we have tried to just divert the attention uh, into a, a making a law and hoping that that would be able to take care of the need. But in the midst of the world that we live in, we, it is important for us as people of God to be able to come back to, to the values. And, and I think it, it is important, an analogy that, I, that we could compare this to is when you go to a beach and you'll, you'll start, uh, obviously, at the very beginning uh, or at the, ver at the shore, and then you'll, you'll notice that as if you just keep moving, um, you can look up, and if you're just there catching the waves, you'll look up and you'll notice that you are far, way far in there, and, and you have just drifted with time. And I, I think as a world, I think as a church, we have drifted from some things that are just important, uh, and instead of just looking at, at covering things up and putting a Band-Aid on them and, putting, and, and passing a law, I think that we need to return to some values, amen, that, that God has established in his word, that God has established and that God has ordained because a lot of the times we look at men, but the truth is that God is the only one that can touch the heart. God is the only one that can do the work. Um, so this series that we are, we're jumping into, that we have been jumping into, the, um, called Family Values, we've talked about building a lasting family. We've talked about um, being able to have hope for hurting marriages. And today we're going to talk about the relationships that are in our lives. And I'm not just talking about a spouse relationship. I'm talking about everybody in your sphere of influence. That could be a brother or sister. That could be your father or your mother. That could be your friend. And we're going to look at what Jesus has to say 
about that. Are you ready? Amen. The Bible says this. I love the way it says it. When you are in a generation where the foundations are destroyed, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do? Because I think the tendency is to look around and to be able to look at man and, and to be able to want to look at man for an answer. But I think what we're supposed to do is exactly what the, the next line says. So it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? And then you'll notice that it just kind of pivots and it changes direction. It says, the Lord, the Lord is in his temple. Amen. The Lord is in his temple. I love the way that looks because many of the times in this world, we tend to look at what is taking place in our surrounding and we try to find a solution and we try to find an answer, but the answer is still the same. It, it is the Lord. Amen. It is the Lord. For everything that we are facing here today, it could be on a different level. It could be in, in a, a different situation than what your neighbor is facing, but the answer is Jesus. Amen. The answer is Jesus. It doesn't matter what is taking place around us, we have to know the Lord is in his holy temple. Amen. We're saying that when you find yourself in a place where you do not know what to do, when you don't know what the answer is, we have to look up to the hills from where our help comes from. And our help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. The question, though, that resonates is what do I do as a husband and what do I do as a wife, what do I do in our business? Wherever you are in culture, when you don't know what to do, it's time to go back to Jesus. It's time to go back to the Lord and know that he has the answer that we need. And because maybe we've drifted just away and, and we find ourselves like in the situation that the people found themselves in Jeremiah chapter 6. Uh, when they are just kind of at a crossroads. And the, I love what it says. Ask for the ancient past is what the prophet said. And he said, come back to the foundational truth. And where the good way is, walk in it. And I love this last line because it says, there you will find rest. Amen. For your souls. You will find rest for your souls. I think that's what's needed in our world today. In a world that lives so anxious. And so worried about everything that is taking place, I, I believe our souls need rest and we can find it in God. And I truly believe that when we're talking about relationships, we need to go back to the Lord because he is the one that created relationships. And we need to be, make sure that we are allowing him to define what this should look like because culture is trying to shape new ideas. Culture is trying to shape new ideas around gender, around marriage, around sexuality. And, and people will ask me, well, well, Pastor, what do you think about this? My opinion really doesn't matter. What is important is what God says. What is important is what God says. I can't give you an opinion. Everybody has opinions, but I have to go back to the word. I am trying to follow God and trying to lead us in a way that what God says for us is true. So as we get into this and the, the thesis for this four-part family series that we have, family value series that we've been talking about, you know, we've been looking at relationships and for all of this to work, for, for families to work, for marriages to work, for my relationship 
with you as my brother or my sister to work. I have to look at God and let him redefine those relationships in our lives. And lots of people will say, well, I don't like the way God designed them. I don't like the way God designed them. Well, you're not the creator. And you're not God. And I think we live in a culture that says that you can trust your feelings. And we live in a culture that wants to cancel everything. And I say, no, you can't trust your feelings. We have to trust his word. We can't trust our feelings. We can't trust our opinions. We have to trust what God says. We can't be feelings-based. We just can't let our emotions drive what we do. But we have to be values-based. And we have to know in the God that we have trusted and that we have believed in today. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Am I going to do what I think is best or am I going to do what God thinks is best? Am I going to do because I will fail? And we will fail together if we go based off of our own concepts and our own philosophies. But when we put God at the forefront, except the Lord build the house, those that labor, labor in vain. If God is on the ship, if God is on the boat, your boat will not sink because he is on it. And some may say, well, I know what's best. And some may say, I know what's best. Well, the Bible says that there is a way that appears to be right. That appears to be right, but it actually leads to death. It actually leads to death. And, and when we talk about death, it's not just talking about a physical death. It's not talking about that in actuality, in the context. It's talking about death in our marriage, death in our family. It's talking about death in our mind and death in our spirits and death in our soul, in our emotion. So it's important for us to go back. But I've got good news for you today that even though the thief comes to seek even though he comes to kill and he comes to destroy, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. So let me say it this way, that all the things that God has for you, all the things that God places for us in his word, they're not to restrict our lives. They're not to put all these types of parameters. They are to bless us and they are for us to be able to live the, exact, to live the life that he has called us to live. So in this series, that's what we're going to be looking about looking at the relationships in our life, in our life. Because if there's something that 2020 has taught us, and maybe even beyond that, if there's something maybe that this week has taught us, that has happened to a lot of us, that there's a lot of discouragement taking place. There's a lot of discouragement. There's a lot of disunity in culture. But even more so, let's go a little bit deeper. There may, there may be a lot of dysfunction in our families. There may be a lot of dysfunction uh, in, in the, the people that are surrounding us day to day. And the truth is that God cares. The truth is that God cares. He cares if you haven't talked to your sibling or if he haven't talked to your parents in, in years because of something that happened there. And the truth is, I don't know the details of your story, but I just want to share this today and let it bless your life in Jesus' name. Because we're not, we have not been, we're not here to be against one another. We're not here to be, we're on the same team. We are on the same team, and it, that is important for us to, to capture and to be able to let that sink in in a world that is full of hate, in a world that is full of problems, that we would be able to to not operate as the world does where they just pick sides, but that we would just adhere, that we would follow, that we would cling to what Jesus says for us to do. So I want to talk about that this morning. So what I need to understand is this, that my relationship with God is inseparable 
to my relationship with the people that God has put in my life. I can't have a great relationship with God and have a horrible relationship with you, and I'll prove it to you. I'll tell you this way. You can't have a good marriage without having a good relationship with God. We know that. And you can't have a great relationship with God if I'm always talking about you, if I'm always looking for the wrong in you. And you may say, are you sure about that? I'm sure. Because this is what the scriptures say, that all men will know that you're my disciples because you went to Impact City Church? No. All men will know that you are my disciples because you read your Bible every day? No. And this, people will know that you are my disciple, that you love one another. That you love one another. That the word love, we understand it has different meanings in the scriptural tense. The word love in this particular tense is the word agape, which means unconditional love. That means that I love you regardless. I'm here for you regardless. I understand that we may have different viewpoints. I understand that we may have different opinions. But at the end of the day, you are my brother and I am here for you. That's what the Bible is talking about when it says, behold how beautiful it is for the brothers to dwell together in unity. Amen. In unity. It's not talking about uniformity. It doesn't mean that we all dress the same. It doesn't mean that we all look the same. It doesn't mean that we all think the same. But it's talking about unity. It's talking about Hey, we have different opinions, we have different ways of thinking, we have different approaches, but at the end of the day, we have a common denominator, and that is Jesus, and we are bound here together because of him, and you may look at something different, but you know what? I still love you. Amen. I still love you, and I still want what's best for you, and I still want to encourage you, and I'm still going to build you up. It is an unconditional love, and that is what God wants for us in our relationships, that we would love unconditionally, that we would love. But I want to go over a few reasons why we have trouble. There's some disconnect between loving people unconditionally and, and, and getting there. Because it's about bridging the gap between intentions and our true actions and what we want to do. So I just have to decide in my heart that God, there, there are some things that we're going to talk about today, that we're going to uncover today. There are some things in our heart that we just have to let God heal us. Amen. There are some things in our heart, and I'm not saying that it was right. I'm not excusing any type of behavior that was done to you by any means. But what I am telling you is that God loves you beyond beyond that particular incident, that God loves you beyond that particular mistake, and that he wants to have, he wants to show you something new in your life. Why is this important? Because people come into our lives and they hurt us. They damage us. They cause us to develop walls in our relationships. And we have to be able to stand firm in the truth of what God's word says. I just can't have something in my heart towards someone else at the same time that I'm trying to love God and I'm trying to serve God with all of my heart. I have to let some things go in my life. I have to let some things go. So that's when the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they came to Jesus and they said this. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? Because you have taught a lot of things. Referencing the 440 commandments 
that were given to them in the Old Testament. What is the greatest commandment? If you could just break it down, Master, what are you looking at the most? You want to know what God is looking at the most? Jesus replied, here it is. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he puts, and then there's an and to which they would have said, well, we didn't ask for an and. We just said, give us one. If you're going to share, just give us one. We just wanted one. To which Jesus said, I just can't give you one commandment because these, this, what I'm sharing with you, is inseparable. The second is just like it. That after you love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, and with all your mind, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the point I'm trying to make this morning is when we ask ourselves, how am I doing with God? You also have to include how am I doing with the people in my life? And the church said, amen. That the horizontal relationships, or should I say the horizontal relationships impact the vertical relationship. And that the vertical relationship has a direct impact on my horizontal relationship. Because can I be honest with you, I can't say I love God and hate you. I cannot say I love God, but I hate the people that are on the opposing political parties that I'm on. I can't say that I love God, but, but despise you and, and, and think that I'm better than you. No, we were all bought with the same blood. Amen. We were all bought with, the Bible says that God so loved the world. Amen. God so, not, not just the world that you live in, not just the world that I live in. He loves everyone the same. And I am commanded that as I love God, I'm to love the people around me. Love the people that talk about me. Love the people that despise me. Love the people that reject me. Love the people that misunderstand me. I am to love them just the same. So I want to talk to you just to, uh, I want to share some, some reasons why I, I, we can't get there. And then I'm going to just give you some practical steps to be able to get there in Jesus' name. So when we look at this, when we understand why it's just so hard to get there, why is it hard to get there? Why is it difficult for me to be able to get to where I need to be? Why is it that I can struggle in my relationships? Why is it that I can struggle? Why is it that I can't love my neighbor? Have you ever asked yourself that question? So I want to jump into that. Because we have to include the people that God has put in our lives. You know, because there's always those sometimes that you say earth would be a lot better if they weren't here. Whatever that is, the offense that is inside of our hearts towards someone, especially maybe in your family. In my family, there was two sisters who grew up in my extended family that they didn't talk to each other for 10 years because of something that occurred and there was just that discord and that's not what God wants. God wants healing in our lives. God cares about your relationships. 
Jesus said it would happen so you cannot go through life. In fact, he said many of the times there will be those that will be offended. The word many means most of us at any given time are going to be offended by some offense, by something that comes our way. We'll betray one another, hate one another. And he says to his disciples, actually he said to his disciples in another place that it is impossible that no offenses should come. Offense is going to come. So if you find yourself there, don't feel bad about it. We're going to talk about, hey, this is where we're at, but this is how we get out of it. Amen. This is where we're at. This is what life has been like for me. And whatever level that is, we can, we can overcome it in Jesus' name. We can overcome it. It's human nature that we just have that in our hearts, that the, the differences of opinion and the, the, the culture that we're in, that, that we just say, God, I just don't know about that. I just don't know about that. And it would be good for all of us to just do a heart check this morning. And say, is my heart in the right place? In a place that honors God. So let's talk about the reasons that we can. I'm going to give you the three reasons why I don't think that that we struggle with this. Not that I think why that we struggle. And the first one is simply this, is that we have a wrong understanding of what forgiveness is. So if you're taking notes, write that down. We have a wrong understanding of what forgiveness actually means. Because a lot of us think in order for us to forgive, I also have to agree with what took place, and that's not true. That is not true. In fact, forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Forgiveness is not saying you brushing it off by any means. It's not, uh, uh, it's not sweeping it under the rug by, by any means. It's not saying that I believe that what you did was right. It is just a matter of me forgiving and saying, you know what, I'm going to release it to God. I'm going to release it to God. It's not saying that what happened to you was okay. Absolutely not. It's not saying that what they did or what they said wasn't wrong. It's not that. It is not also reconciliation because reconciliation is a two-player game. That if you and I get upset at each other, that I, if I feel in my heart that I need to forgive you and I want to talk and I want to smooth things over, you have to feel the exact same way. That's re- reconciliation. But let's be honest, there's sometimes that the other party does not want to talk. There's sometimes that the other party can't talk, perhaps, because they've passed on. But forgiveness is me saying, you know what, God, I want to get my heart right with you. And I'm not going to let this hurt. I'm not going to let this resentment. I'm not going to let this, this aching in my heart to affect me in my relationship with you and in my relationship with people. Because the truth is that what happened to us years ago can affect the way I operate today. It can affect the way I operate today. It is not reconciliation. It is about forgiving. It is about my attitude towards God, the God that has forgiven me. The God that has saved me. The God who died for me. So it's about saying, you know what, God, I don't agree with them. I've been hurt with them. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to let it pollute my heart. Amen. I'm not going to let it pollute my heart. I'm not going to let it dictate the way I live. I'm not going to let the past hurt from my dad affect my relationship with my son. And I'm not going to let the past hurt from my grandfather affect my relationship with my daughter. No, I have to let that go. 
and say, you know what, God, it was not right, but I forgive it. And it is, it is liberating. Amen. It allows us to walk and live and breathe in the freedom that God died for us. But the enemy would not want nothing more than for you and I to hold on to it. Because when we hold on to it, we're always crippled by it. And we can't ever advance. And our relationships don't become healthy because there is some hurt inside. But when I say, God, I give you my hurt and I give you my pain, I give that to you. All of a sudden, it changes the way I operate in my relationships that are still present, that are still functional. I can see things differently. Amen. Because I understand what real forgiveness truly is. And you say, I don't know if I can get there. Well, let it begin with the house of God. Amen. In a world that is full of hate, let it begin with the people inside this building, that they would come to see us, that they would understand, and they would say, you know what? There's just something different about you because I saw, and I understand, and I know what you went through, but, but there's something that just radiates from you, and that they would be able to see that God is in us, and that his spirit is alive and working in us, and that they, their lives would be changed because of the way we live. So I believe God is calling us to set a standard that goes against culture and some areas that may be very controversial, but we're not going to be able to make it if we're just as belligerent as everybody else. We're not going to be able to make it if we're just as hateful, saying, well, if you don't believe like me, I'm not going to stand. No, that is not our message. In fact, our Christianity, the life that I live, is supposed to be the light of I'm, so, I'm the light of the world, and I'm the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. That our lives would be attractive, that they would want what we have. Hey, can you tell me what, what is different about you? Because we have the same boss who is always upset and always griping about us, but you just have a different attitude. Okay, can you just share with me? Because you went through the exact same thing that I went through, but my reaction was a lot different. What is it different? That we would come and say, it's Jesus. It is him that makes the difference in our lives. But it has to start with my own heart. And it has to start with me getting right and me putting all of that behind us. The, the other reason is we just simply don't think that it's fair. And guess, right, and, and guess what? You're right. It's not fair. I'm glad God isn't fair. Because if God was fair, I would have to pay for my own sins. I'm glad that I get mercy and that I get a love that I don't deserve. I am, thank God that he is not fair. I don't want to be able to have to stand before him one day and give account and, and have to try to justify myself. No, he, he hung on that cross. He was hung high and he was stretched wide for my sins and for your sins. I'm so glad that he forgave me. And now here it is, just as he forgave, I should forgive. I'm glad the blood of Jesus stepped into my life and forgave me. So Jesus is teaching out of Matthew chapter 18. It's a powerful story because Peter came to Jesus and they, they were just frustrated. They're upset. And I'm going to close with this, okay? They come to him and they say, how many times do I need to forgive? How many times do I need to forgive my offense? And, and Peter says, up to seven times. And 
A lot of you know the scripture. Jesus said seven times seven. That's 490 times. And, and Jesus wasn't speaking literally for those of you that are taking count and saying, I've forgiven you 490 times, you're done. <laughs> he was emphasizing that there should be no limit to my forgiveness because let's just be honest, I want God to forgive me today. I want him to forgive me today. I want him to forgive me tomorrow. And from the same forgiveness that I have received, I want to be able to extend that forgiveness to others. Amen. When he was saying there should not be a limit. If you do, if you put the pen to the paper, that's forgiving someone every three minutes. And if you never went to sleep, that's a whole lot. So Jesus tells this story, and then he talks, and, he's, and Jesus, this great storyteller, says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, there was a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Do you know what that would be like in today's economy? It would be $5 billion. Jesus intentionally gave this insurmountable, exaggerated amount because he wanted the people, he just wanted to start that conversation. Because if there was another amount... People would have said, you know what, if it would have been $10, $20, $100, people would have forgiven that. But for someone to say, you know what, there was $5 billion, I don't know if I can forgive that much. I don't know if I can forgive that much. But since he was not uh, able to pay this, the Bible says the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. Like if you can't pay it, I'll take your children as slaves. I'll take you as slaves and you can pay the debt. The servant, the Bible says, fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. And he begged and I will pay you everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and he canceled all the debt. But then the same brother who just got it canceled got all this canceled, this incredible amount when the servant found out and went to his fellow servants who owed him uh, a different amount that would be the equivalent to $10,000 it's still a lot but God is saying this I know your offense is a lot he wanted to hold that against him he wanted to hold that smaller amount against him and this is what Jesus said shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? That's the point. And in the anger, the Bible says the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back this amount. Trust me, you don't want to pay for your own sins. And he goes on to say this very powerful thing. This is what I, wanted, what I want to share. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is how I will be treated unless I forgive from my heart. So whatever action, whatever has been done to you, I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that I'm not going to hold it right here in my heart and let it affect the way I live. Because C.S. Lewis said it this way, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God forgave the inexcusable inside of me. If you will allow God to do this in your heart today, you will walk out of here lighter and freer. And the third reason is that we just say, we, I still don't think I can. 
I still don't think I can. I agree. You'll tell me I agree with everything that you said, but you just don't know the details of everything that I have gone through. You don't know how bad it was. You don't know how, how much it hurt me. I'm just trying to share some values. You're right, but the Bible also says that I can do all things through him who strengthened me. I can do all things through him that strengthened me. And I believe that if you truly, this today, open your heart, and as you open your life, that the power of God can do an incredible work inside of you, that you will have the capacity to do things that you've never done before because you've been able to lay down what has been hindering you on the inside. You can't do it on your own, but I can do it through Christ that strengthens me. I truly believe that if you open up your life to the power of God, working on the inside of you, that you will have the capacity to do things that you never dreamed of. But we have to get past the hurt, and we have to get past, and we have to love just as Jesus loves. But you have to take the first step. So I want to share these practical steps as I close. I know you're saying you already said that. Um, But you have to take the first step. You have to take the first step. What did Jesus say in the book of Revelations? He said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. That if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. So whose job was it to open the door? The person who hears the knock. So there is some practicality that you and I have to take to be able to experience what God has. So this is the difference maker right now. Are you willing? Don't answer. Are you willing to open the door? Are you willing to forgive? And to let God do a fresh healing inside of you. So I believe these three things that are taken from the Sermon on the Mount greatest sermon ever preached that if you do these it will take a that it will allow you to take a step to be able to heal those relationships on the inside you're not even going to recognize yourself the incredible compassion that that God can do the the work that he can do inside of you the first thing is we got to pray for them we got to pray. A transformation is going to take place inside your heart when you pray. You say, but the person is so ugly to me. He's so mean. She's so mean. We could come up with countless excuses, couldn't we? But the truth is that we have to pray for them. And I'm telling you that that's the hope of the gospel. That is the hope of the gospel in a culture like ours. And I really believe that this is incredibly simple. Pray for them. Somebody says, well, I do pray. I pray that they go where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. No, I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm not. Somebody says, well, find a scripture. And somebody says, yes, I found the scripture. Break the teeth of the wicked, O Lord. Nope, that's not the scripture either. Let's keep it in context. The man... It's not about that. It is about truly praying and saying, you know what, God, only you can do the work. Only you can do the work. Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
You've heard that. In other words, the person you can like, you like, and the person that you hate, you automatically hate. But I tell you, this is what Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, literally, that means going before the Lord every day and saying, Lord, I forgive them. And then you say their name. I forgive them even though they're making life difficult for me right now. Even though they're making life hard for me right now, I forgive them. I pray for them and I'm asking God that you touch them, that you do a work, that that what my words can't do in their lives, that you would be able to do. Lord, I I pray for the person who completely disagrees with your word and, and the people that are even trying to pull your church down, God. I pray right now that you would do a great work inside of them. God, I pray for the people that are constantly trying to, to look for something wrong. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Are you, give them health, God. Give them strength. And you may say, are you serious? You want to pray for your enemies like that? Yes, I want to pray for them like that because God can change them. God can change them. I'm telling you, it does a powerful work inside of you more than it does them. Because I'm going to tell you something that even if they don't change, it's going to change your outlook. And it's going to change your perspective. And it's going to change the way you live your life. You, you, when you look at the book of Psalms, you see David writing these Psalms. And I'm going to talk about the power of prayer. David says, why, God, have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? And you see that a lot of the Psalms begin in this way, but as the psalm progresses and as he continues to pray, he says, but I will still hope in you, but I will still trust in you, but I will still find my strength in you. God, you will answer. You will hear my cry. There is something that prayer does. So what am I telling you to do? I I want you to live victorious. So when when you leave these doors and when something tries to bog you down and something tries to weigh you down, that you would go before for the Lord in prayer and that you would say, God, I I don't know why things are like this, but I'm going to trust you. You are my fortress and you are my strong tower. You are my help and you are my refuge and I'm going to trust and believe. And you're going to notice that by the end of the prayer, there's going to be some encouragement that comes directly from the throne room. Pray for them. The second thing is we got to bless them. We have to bless them. Whatever it is, it is the power of opening your mouth and declaring. We're going to speak well of them. Jesus said it this way. But I tell you, if you hear me, love your enemies. Do do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. So I say bless them. I say bless them. They're not on your side. Bless them in Jesus' name. Pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who come against you. I'm telling you that, that there is power in this. This is liberating. That Not only that as we pray, that as we bless them. Because we are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we are here to bless God. Don't you remember when he is on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Literally agonizing him in the physical. So when they come at me and they try to talk against me and when they try to talk against us, that we would say, God, I bless them in Jesus' name. I declare your your perfect goodness. I declare your will over their lives. I declare that you would do a great work, that we would be able to bless them and that they would be able to see, hey, you know what? I may not necessarily agree with what you're doing, but I bless you 
in Jesus' name that I know that if you come against me, I don't have to fight my battles. He fights my battles. And I have to know that God takes care of everything. He will settle the account. He will settle the account if they come at you in a wrong way. You don't have to settle it. All you have to do is pray for them and you bless them in Jesus' name. says, if they're thirsty, this is your enemy. You give them something to drink. And in doing this, listen to this. If the worship team will join me. You will heap burning coals on their head. You will heap burning coals on their head. It doesn't mean This is hard for us to understand because in this context, we don't have the need for fire the way there was. And that fire was one of the most precious commodities. And if you, dis, if you, didn't, if you unattended your fire, sometimes it meant you wouldn't have supper at night. And it was just difficult. That fire was a need. They didn't have ovens and microwaves the way you and I have. They, don't, they didn't have barbecue pits. They had... So when you would heap burning coals, say you would take the coals from your house and that you would see your enemy. But that they're struggling, that you would say, here you go. I'm giving you what I have. You don't have it, but I'm, I'm sharing this with you. I know you've talked about me. I know you've hated me, but I'm, I'm giving you what I have. And I'm sharing this with you. Can you imagine the impact that that has on someone? But I'm going to tell you that more for the receiving end, it does something incredible for you. For you to say, you know what? That I'm looking past your mistakes and I'm looking past your anger. And I'm looking past your frustration and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you what you need right now in this time. I'm going to bless you. The Bible says don't, don't be overcome by evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good because that's the spirit of Jesus. God is countercultural. Not just in values, but he's also countercultural in our hearts. And the Bible comes along and says this. We just have to get rid of bitterness. It says rage, anger, brawling, slander. That just means where we are maybe right now. That may be where we're at. Let's just be honest. Life's been difficult for a lot of us in this place. And, and there's anger and there's hurt. But I want to do what God is asking me to do. And I just have to get rid of some of this baggage that is weighing me down. I'm not going to overcome evil with evil, but let's do good. I challenge you that as we leave this morning that we would be compassionate, that we would forgive each other just as Christ has forgiven us just as God has forgiven us, just as he has shown his love for us, just as his mercies are new to me every morning, that he is better to us than what we deserve, that he just shows us 
that, that we would be able to leave this place and say, you know what? I'm going to love you like Jesus loves me. I'm going to love you like Jesus loves me. That there would be some relationships that would be restored. That there would be some friendships that would be mended. That, that all of that would take place. But more importantly, that that anger that you have had in your heart. And that bitterness and that resentment. That, would, that it would be released to God. And that God would, would do a new work inside of your heart. That you would be able to live lighter. Not being, able, not being weighed down by the baggage of your past by something that was done to you or maybe something that you did that you would say, God, I leave it at your feet and I trust you uh, that you would do something incredible in me. Come on, Impact City Church. We're going to live a victory. If we're going to live uh, an impactful life, if we're going to live a victorious life, uh, we have to let some things go and say, God, I, I'm going to open my heart to you and I'm going to let you do a work in me. I'm going to let you change what 27 years or 37 years of hurt has piled up on me. I'm going to let you, God. I'm going to let you, God. I'm going to let you. So the first step today is to be forgiven. Just to realize that God has forgiven you because when that happens in our lives, and I'll end, this is the last thing I'm going to say, I promise, and I'm going to pray. The forgiven, forgive. The forgiven, forgive. God, I pray that, you're, that people would leave here today with their hearts cleansed, with their hearts pure and free. God, that we're not going to allow ourselves to be held hostage to how somebody feels about us. No, we're going to release them. Just like you've released us. We set them free just as you have set us free. We'll love them the way you love us. We'll bless them the way you bless us. We'll pray for them. And we'll even do good to them. Lord, I have... I've not loved like I should have. Maybe we've resented people. Maybe we have held unforgiveness in our hearts. Today, God, we ask that you give us the power to release them, to forgive those who have hurt us. I do not forgive the person, the persons who have hurt us. And I ask that you forgive them also. And God, would you replace my hurt would you replace my pain with your peace? Would you replace my, my hurt with your love? And God, would you please forgive me for the times I've hurt others? God, I'm asking you that you heal marriages. I'm asking you that you heal families. I'm asking you that you restore relationships, relationships with family members, relationships with friends, God, people that we may not even talk to anymore, with people at our workplace that you would do an incredible work, God, that as your presence is moving in our midst right here today, God, that you would just do a perfect work in us today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, some of us in this place need to receive the forgiveness of God. You've never done that, and you're carrying shame. You're carrying pain. You feel it. 
just feels like a cloudy, a cloudiness over your life. Areas of your life that are more evident than others. The Lord has his arms open wide for you today. Saying, I'm here, I'll take it from you. I'll take it. I'll take your shame. I'll take your pain. I'll take your hurt. I'm happy to take it from you right now if you just give it to me. So if that is you today, I just want to invite you to just lift your hand right now. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you have not said, God, please forgive me, I'm going to invite you right now that you, would, you want to make this first-time decision in this place. God bless you. God wants to do something great in your life right now. Would you, everyone, pray with me. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. I surrender my life completely to you. Thank you for setting me free. I believe you're the son of God. Be the Lord of my life. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for everyone that received him today as you stand? As you stand today, let's praise God right now.